There it is. Hey, everybody. This is Big Boy Gaming Show. We have a new permanent member to our show joining us today. Uh, this is Eric, and I'm going to introduce you Trey. He is my brother, and uh, he's going to be joining us on the podcast for now. Trey, would you like to tell him a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, uh, my name is Trey. I've uh, been playing video games since I was probably about four years old. Remember one of the very first games that you and I played was uh, Double Dragon on the uh, Nintendo. Um, yep, I remember that. Now I am a clinical social worker. Uh, I do therapy for a living. Uh, psychology and human behavior is my passion. And what I'm hoping to bring to this podcast is a little bit of the underlying psychology that goes into gaming. Um, that's a brief introduction, and I'm sure that you guys will get to know me as this podcast goes on. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, and we're doing this because we are big fans of gaming. You know, the, we're not really getting out here and trying to get anything from this. It's just something we're very passionate about, and uh, you know, we're doing it because we love it so much. Uh, uh, you got anything good going on in your life? Like anything new? Uh, this happened this week or any cool or interesting stories um uh playing blades in the dark a, a tabletop uh fantasy role-playing game with uh with some of my buddies from work uh, we oh. play every saturday that's the heist game right yeah like you uh you and your friends create like a crew it's got like a dm that oversees the missions just like dungeons and dragons but uh with a interesting twist, it's a more dark fantasy world, but also like you don't just level up, your characters don't just level up, but your crew levels up as well, and you unlock different perks. Your it's got like base building inside of it, like you can unlock. Um, the thing that we're working towards now is is like a fish pond of uh, for carnivorous fish. Mm-hmm. So like in the game, if you kill anybody, you gain heat. But if you unlock this uh, this fish pond for your for your crew, anytime you kill somebody, you could just dump the body in there, and you won't gain heat. So I, I can imagine that kind of fish looking up. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> are you going hunting today? <laughs> Bring back meat. <laughs> my my crew seems a little bit more excited about it than me. I th- I think there's a little bit um, more. Uh, useful skills, especially early on in the game, but uh, they're they're gung ho about it. So I'm just long for the ride, essentially. Is it like big fish, or is it like a, just a bunch of betas that just tear them hair by hair? <laughs> Pretty much molecular uh, deconstruction at a fish level. You know, they they don't really describe it, but they, it, it comes from a, a dark world where. Um, like when you look into the water, like there's like almost like a reflection of stars coming from it that is not really stars so like the world is very dark and grim and there's something weird going on with the water so i'm sure whatever fish are in there are are terrifying no uh well uh does it have like classes and stuff like you know your generic cleric and rogue and yeah they're they're named different and they're based off of kind of like their uh, passive skills like there's one called a lurk which is like all sneaking and stealing and things like that um i play kind of the mage class which i can't i can't remember the the name of it now but the mage class is based around uh more like summoning spirits and uh demons and things like that so uh 
the really cool thing about the game is every time someone dies in the game, like an alarm goes off and they have these specially trained crows that immediately fly to the corpse. So this crew can dispose of the body because if you leave the body for too long, it turns into an evil spirit that basically just wrecks havoc in the surrounding area. So like you can't just kill somebody and hang around. It has to be like one of the last things you do essentially. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm still hung up on like the passive sort of being the name of the class. I was thinking, you know, EverQuest, you could get that thing that let you regenerate mana just a little faster because you sat down a lot. And, well, it'd be like, I don't like meditation. Was that what it was called? And like a meditate. Like the entire yeah. class, I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> more mana. <laughs> I got raging mana over here. Ugh. As someone that doesn't like to sleep, I would I would love the ability to just when I'm tired to be able to sit down and meditate for like you know twenty thirty minutes because it took like thirty real minutes for you to get all your mana back in EverQuest back in the day. Yeah, unless you had a horse, and then I think things got a little awkward. I guess. But, uh, uh, well, I guess the only thing, uh, we got new is like, uh, I got my, uh, Pixel 8 Pro, which I know you've had for a while. I really, that, uh, AI photo thing is game changing. Like, I mean, it's starting to fill in the background with legitimate stuff that looks like it belongs there. Like I took a picture of the neighbor's property and like erased his car. And, like, it made it, it filled in his driveway, like, the potholes. And on the other side of the car, uh, you know, the area it filled in, a little power pole. It put right there, like, a little white duplex convenient outlet that sprouted up from the ground. It looked super nice. And I got the uh, Pixel Watch to go with it. And it's really sleek. I like it. And and the other thing was uh, we got the internet. You know, we went from uh, 20 megabytes download speed a month to now we're 500 megabyte download speed and uh that part's really really nice i've uh i've now unlocked the ability to use nvidia geforce now where i can i stream cyberpunk or ray tracing on uh uh, every game i've thrown at it is doing just perfectly fine man it's working it works so all that stuff is it's been a good week that's fantastic. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell you. I've, I've had fiber for a little while, but I, I only had got a, a hundred megabytes. Like five hundred must be pretty spectacular. I mean, my, I got one of those uh, uh, NVMe drives, NVMe drives in my computer, and a hundred megabytes Steam maxes it out, so I get some bottlenecking. I don't think I would have that with your, your speed. Uh, uh, I put one of them uh, drives in my uh, Steam Deck when I got the Steam Deck or whatever. I, I actually removed the one it came with and put a, the 512. I was going to put a gig, but Lori wanted a bigger one too, so whatever, I got her one. But the dude who come up hooked out the internet, that was like, uh, we haven't got our cable box yet, so... I was doing lunch and I think our dinner, I was cooking dinner and I think I was on the phone with you and we got off and I walked past the kitchen and uh, there was headlights in a driveway, dark outside since the time change. And I walk out there and it's this dude, very tall. Uh, He is in, we got internet with Xfinity 
But he's in a Comcast truck where somebody's took a razor blade and like sort of scraped off the Xfinity and laid like a Comcast sticker over the top of it. And uh, he comes out and he said, what seems to be the problem? I said, uh, well, um, we got internet, but we haven't got a box yet. He says, okay, do you have a cable hookup? I said, uh, no, uh, we have never had cable out here. It's been in our family for, I don't know, since dad was born. I guess he was raised out here. So like three generations, man, we never had cable. I said, okay. So he goes and looks at like the power box on the side of the house. And he walks out here to the light pole in, uh, by the road and looks up at it. And then he walks back to the house and he goes and gets a ladder and walks up above our uh, hookup outside of our house or whatever. He just reaches up there and just cuts a wire with a knife. I'm like, all right, well, this dude couldn't die or no, I don't trust the power cords. Well, he uh, says he has to run power from the power line, the main power lines outside. And he brings out this like 30 foot ladder, climbs up there, uh, ties a rope to the cord he cut at the house and wants me to tug on it while he's up there at the top of the power pole. So he knows what line he has to pull up. And uh, I mean, he just sticks a pocket knife up there and cuts that one. And then uh, tug the line, of course, and he climbs down and then he's trying to get this line above a tree over this fir tree that grows up in the yard. So he pulls his van like up under the tree. He like honks his horn at me and I'm looking in the window and he's pointing at the line. He wants me to hold the line above my head so he could drive his truck under the line and stop. Then he climbs to the back of the truck and grabs the line, throws it over the top of the tree. And then uh, has me hold the wire while he goes up the ladder and hooks it all back up. And then he gets it all together. He pulls out the biggest tricorder I've ever seen in my life. It is this huge light box. Has his lights all over it. He stares at it for 10 minutes and he says, it's not working. So he shows me the power lines out there by the street. He puts his flashlight on his box that's like three foot off of the pole. He says, I can't reach it. I need you to hold a ladder. And I'm like, I'm, do y'all not have a bucket truck, man? Like, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like, I'm not trying to die. He's like, no, nah, it'll be fine. I'm like, okay, whatever. I and then huh? I like that he doesn't offer you any explanation. It's like, no, it's no. just fine. You know, I would try that, to reassure. <laughs> like, he, no, he doesn't even reassure. Like, uh, <laughs> he's got this thick accent I can't place. I'm thinking like Kenya and. I, I'm like, all right, well, that's cool. You know, we can give people a better life over here and he can get a training and stuff. But no, there's no reassurement. So I'm holding his ladder. There's like 30 foot ladder straight up in there. He's like, okay, lay it down. And I'm thinking like, if I lay it back on this wire, I'm going to die. So I'm not comfortable doing it. You lay it back. He's like, it's fine. Just lay it back. I'm like, dude, here, you got a ladder? Now I, I turn it loose. You lay it up there. Uh, he does it and I'm trying to guesstimate like how far away do I need to be if we do a spark you know do I need to be like 50 feet away am I going to feel anything I'm like whatever so ladder hits the power line and it does like this bouncing thing and he puts like four feet up there and it starts going it's like okay hold a ladder I like I'm not going to die he's like, it's fine and like I like okay I grab this fucking ladder I'm sitting there holding it dude I'm like, well, if, if it gets us, I'm probably not going to feel anything. And I don't have to worry about paying bills no more. So, and he goes up there 
takes his knife and pops open this spot like straight up Far Cry style dude where they climb the the antenna towers or whatever he just jams it in a box and pops it open and starts like pulling cords out of this box and then he rigs some more cords up there and slams the box and he comes down and now we have like 500 megabytes of internet <laughs> download so yeah weird dude very weird uh well you uh, know if, if something bad would have happened your wife would have lived comfortably yeah, yeah, I'm Comcast would have treated her like a damn queen. I mean, she already lived like a queen, but beside the point. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fast, it's great. I uh, downloaded a couple games on there just to see, uh, just to test it out. And then the streaming is really nice too. So it's a, uh, and then we're paying like almost $80 less a month than we were paying uh, Bright Speed or CenturyLink too. So that's a, uh, nice and then us switching over to the pixel phones with the google Fi, our bill is almost a hundred dollars cheaper than it was with verizon so uh we've got some uh some roughness around the edges that's awesome yeah yeah. it's amazing how much better fiber is and also 10 times cheaper like uh, they have to be putting businesses uh well out of business with with those prices and speeds well uh lake the neighbor texted me and said, my yard's full of trip hazards. And I go out there and uh, the guy who come up and hooked up the internet Friday night or whatever, uh, he just left the wires dangling from the power pole outside. So we have like uh, like two 150-foot cables just dangling from the I was like, well, I can't go up there and disconnect it. And I don't want to go up there and disconnect it. <laughs> so I took pictures of it and emailed them. So uh, maybe we'll get the installation for free. I don't even think you hired a Comcast guy. I think some guy wandered in off the street and then yeah. just just set to work. The dude, okay. So the first guy that came out here was he he when he didn't get the signal, he like got his phone and he kept dialing this guy on speaker and nobody pick up and kept going to voicemail. So he just did it. We was out there like I mean an uncomfortable amount of time. It just hit the call button back. <laughs> Finally, this dude like, hello. And he's like Chris. And he starts speaking in a language I've never heard before. Like, it sounded French. It sounded so close to French or whatever. I asked him, I said, uh, man, your accent, your uh, uh, your language here. I said, what are you speaking? He said, Creole. I said, Creole, uh, where are you from? He said, Haitia. He was from Haitia. He's been over here about 10 years or whatever. And, uh, you know, being from the South, I always thought Creole was like uh, Cajun. You know, but apparently it's like when a language starts to form, uh, it's a combination of two languages that creates a new language or something like that. So that's interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I finally beat uh, Mario Wonder. I thought uh, I was discussing it with you, but it, it panned out the same way I thought it was going to be. It, it felt like something. I had to do not that it's like a bad game or anything. It looks wonderful and it plays great. And there's always something cool and new happening or whatever. But from like the first half of the game to the last half of the game, like I didn't, there was nothing else that really excited me. I felt like when like the first three or four, you know, dungeons, big dungeons, castles you beat or whatever, it was like the same thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. But and I did get it. That's saying a lot coming from you because you you really you really like the platformers more than I do. I think I got to like the second 
third area technically and then was was kind of done with it just because i'm not big on them but if you you were tired of it then uh, uh they must not have added a lot i don't i don't think that the game itself is not fun i just wasn't challenged is what it was so I, uh that's the part it's just you know i could hold the forward button and jump 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 and finish the level but i did go out of the way to make sure i got all the seeds out the level and the wonder uh were out the level all of those uh the funnest level I've played is actually uh, some of the special world stuff or whatever. Those were kind of challenging. Uh, there was one, the first one I found was like the blocks that time, like every three years, deep, 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 and the block would come there. And it was, it got halfway through that level or whatever. It was kind of precise, like it sort of reminded me of Celeste. And that was. Fun. It took me a couple tries to actually beat that level, but I enjoyed it. I played one of the. the uh, is, do they rate it with like stars? Like one of the. Yeah. 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 I played one of the five star ones and like it, it took me a couple times. It, it, and it was surrounded by a whole bunch of like one or two star levels. So like I, w- I wasn't really paying attention when I went into it, but uh, I, I lost a couple lives to it, which surprised me. So I'm yeah. sure that they got some pretty hard levels in there. Nintendo has the ability to make um, fine-tuned levels that are challenging and stuff like that. But if they did a whole game like that, nobody would play it. You know, it's uh, they're pretty much. I guess they're putting it out there for children. Adults can enjoy it too. But uh, yeah, I would very much like to see like I don't know a Mario game designed for people who need patience you know, to be able to beat it. I don't need something Mega Man level caliber, but uh, having the ability to play something challenging and rewarding at the same time was nice. But now my favorite part of the wonder was the online system. That was pretty cool walking around, seeing other players poke at the level. Uh, You know, uh, you could drop this thing they call a standing. And if they died, they can come back to your standing and get resurrected or you could actually touch them or resurrect and whenever you did it gave you like five or ten points there's a score number that floated above your head to show you how many people you've rescued uh i think i'm like over a thousand or something when i finally beat the game but uh that part was really neat i enjoyed it i never got a chance because the only time i played it was in the airport but i never got a chance to uh play it when it was connected to the internet that does sound awesome i say when say what you want about nintendo but they never they never really repeat um everything has like a new twist to it even if they they have like a good algorithm that like just really sticks with people the very next one's going to be different now uh, some people call it gimmicks and sometimes it seems like they're always innovating to me and that says a lot for the company to be able to take risks on something that's never been done before it sort of reminds you of uh, a Dark Souls thing where you can touch the sign, bring somebody into your game. It's sort of like that, and I guess like a Dark Souls light where there's no like punishment for dying, you know? Yeah, and they they do take risks, and they I think since the initial Game Boy, they knew that they were on to something, and it feels like it, just about every console um, after uh, say the the GameCube seems like that they're fine tuning that handheld sort of feel. Um, and, uh, I mean, uh, while it's outdated, the, the switches, um, was a, a massive success. I, I think it paved the way to the steam deck and all of that. 
Uh, other than that, we've both been sort of playing uh, Midnight Suns. Uh, I'm to the point where, like, the first time you come upon, like, Scarlet Switch or Scarlet Witch again, and I sort of got through that interaction, maybe pushed, like, two or three levels more, but I haven't had any more desire to play it, you know. Uh, I think one of the... I was singing its praise because every time you finish a mission, there's this big area you can go and explore and you can interact with people. And then if you look at like the games like uh, uh, XCOM, it was sort of like an ant bed situation where you just sort of clicked on an area, then you upgrade, then you clicked on this area. It seems like they flesh that part out a lot, but there is so much stuff that I feel like I have to do in between each battle. Like maybe five, if I just spam the X button, it seems like five to 10 minutes worth of like, let's go to the forge. Let's get these new cards. All right. What new upgrade can I do? All right. Well, here's these new cards I got. Now I got a little message saying I need to go to the upgrade cards and I go out there and there's a training ground thing I have to do with a character. And then there's like four or five little characters that are waiting to speak to me. And then if I don't have you know, the ability to send, like, a hero out on a mission or something like that, then I get to play the game. You know, it seems like that. I wish I could just cut that clutter out and just spam that board sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I kind of felt the same way. Um, it very, very quickly became rinse and repeat for me, which, like, like once it starts feeling like a job, then I lose interest in it. Yeah, and then uh, my other one I mentioned, GeForce Now. I didn't get the top tier, like twenty dollars a month subscription. I got the the nine ninety nine. I think that gives me like four K and access to like ray tracing and stuff like that. The games I did try was uh, uh, the uh, Warhammer Chaos Knights or whatever, or Demon Knights, Demon Hunter, and uh, that would run like flawlessly. And streaming it on like. Uh, I was streaming it on a Steam Deck, and it was like 60 frames, and the graphics were absolutely uh, just perfect. It was everything was maxed out, couldn't detect any lag or anything. Every but it was a turn-based tactics game, so I wouldn't expect a whole lot there. And then I wanted to try a first-person shooter to see how well it did. I did the uh, they had the Ghost Runner 2 demo, so I tried that one there. And when I turn everything up, first off, the game looked phenomenal with everything turned all the way up. And for the most part, it runs smooth, but there was just enough uh, lag around the edges. The game is very, if you, I know you played the first one, very precision oriented. So I have to run down this wall, jump to this other wall, look down at this enemy that's sort of like locked onto me and then dodge on my way down to I get into a range where I can actually kill him. And that was just enough off for me not to be able to do that kind of stuff consistent. So yeah, maybe it's good for other things, but like the games where you're just a little bit slower, I think it's going to be just fine, just fine for the steam deck or my, um, yeah, outdated laptop. You know, uh, uh, ghost runner is a really, really fine tuned game. Like, uh, the very first one, uh, the first time I played it, I probably put about five hours in it in one sitting, and like just a single mistake means you start over. But the good news is, like, it, it, you restart pretty quickly. You're right back into the battle sort of stuff. And you you really like that, the ones that are really fine-tuned. And by the way, like, you like those um, 
you like those games where you get to create your own levels and that there's one on Steam that is like raising a lot of ruckus right now called I Want a Maker. Have you seen that? No, I haven't heard of it. So it's kind of like the whole um, Mario RPG Maker sort of thing, but people are talking about how how like intuitive it is. I read one of the reviews on there where a guy was talking about how like he like he he mastered games like that, like had to learn how to make really, really um, in-depth levels. And he would spend days like learning how to, how to create really out of this world stuff. And he said he picked up, I want a maker and was creating stuff that just blew himself away within just a matter of hours. Like it's supposed to be very, very intuitive. It's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on steam right now. I think it's right up your alley. Yeah, I got um, I got it pulled up right here. It's uh, created by a developer called The Elephant Crew. I've never heard of them before. When I click on it, it looks like that's the only game they've uh, put out so far. It uh, it does look pretty neat. I may give that one a go. I wish there was a demo or something because that I like the Mario Maker things. I enjoyed playing other people's creations more than I did. I wonder if it has like a logic system in the background where you get a like sort of draw string between this thing and that to make it act a certain way. At that point, it turns to be a lot for me. Yeah, like I get what you mean. Like I've I've never really sat down and tried to create one, um, create like a level off of like Little Big Planet. I think was one of the first ones that I was exposed to where you create the world. And I I, I think maybe I sat down and decided it wasn't for me. Uh, but this one, uh, some of the reviews are saying just like it, if you, it's worth the money just to go ahead and play through the story, which is a bunch of pre-made, uh, pre-made levels. And some of the stuff that they do in those pre-made levels are, is just fantastic. So if you get your, your money off of that alone, um, and, and I think it's free. I don't, I don't think you, um, I don't think you buy the game. I think they just give it to you. Okay. Well, I'll give it a go. Uh, and then we've both been playing the uh, new Alan Wake too. And it's hard to really talk about Alan Wake without giving away a whole lot. But uh, I've been sort of enjoying it a little bit. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, you get this new detail and then you hit a button and she has this thing called sort of like the mind palace where she like organizes her thoughts and stuff like that. Uh uh, there's a lot of people out there that get sort of uh, they don't like uh, like a, a menu management game or whatever. But the way they put this one in a place or whatever, it seems like it's uh, it's progressing. You know, as you're doing things, it's getting more uh, it's spelling it out a little better for you. And the other thing, the graphics are phenomenal. Like I've enjoyed it. Uh, uh, kind of hard to see on a tv that doesn't have hdr because of uh, there's so much darkness in areas you're trying to navigate around without being able to see fully and i just cleared the first boss not uh you have like an interaction sort of near the start of the game and it's like well we need to do something about this and then you go out to try to do something i just sort of finished that area and i think it was pretty awesome i enjoyed it and I never feel safe. Like, I don't know when the game is going to take its breaks off. I don't think that the enemies are, like, randomly generated and attack you at randomly. I think you, I think there's a set spawn or whatever, but I don't know where the spawns are, so I'm not always at ease where I feel like, hey, I can go to my mind palace. Because if you're in the mind palace and you get attacked, 
you start taking damage in the real world at the same time. So, like, I always have to wait for a light source, and then it's like, hey, let's go flesh out all these notification things I have or whatever. But I am enjoying it a lot. I I really like it too, and it seems like they stayed true to the uh, the and the first Alan Wake gameplay style. Like you get your your flashlight and your mm-hmm. gun, and you you make them vulnerable with your flashlight thing. I love it when a game has a good a good little format, and the next generation doesn't detract from that. They just add to it, and it, yeah. it seems like they did a really good job. It does seem harder. Than I remember, but that could just be me getting getting older and not as quick as I used to be. But um, it's that that first boss fight gave me some difficulty, and I w- I was not expecting that. So he'd get away from you, and you couldn't find him, and then he's whacking on you and stuff like that. Yeah, or like he just so quick, sort of thing. Yeah. And some sometimes like I'd nail the dodge, and other times like I'd I'd miss it absolutely completely, like one hundred percent. I dodged a couple on my feet and then on the ground and it was like a tutorial message flash. I was like, hey, you can press the dodge button here to get away. And then, no, I got hit right in the nose, dude. And <laughs> yeah, his speed was so quick. Like he's got him up on that hill and I'm getting ready. I was like, all right, well, let's bring the flashlight. And then it was a holy penis. He's right on top of you. It is danger. <laughs> and then it's like a panic mode right there. And I think he got a couple good licks because like I'm trying to readjust, you know, uh combat abilities and stuff like that and he's breathing down your neck but uh, i think it was supposed to put that sort of i know that shock into you there start and then the next time i did a little better he still got a couple hits the pistol just seemed like it wasn't doing any damage though no i did you well i won't go into that because that's a spoiler but um i will say that uh like i i lost a couple lives to him i I don't think i felt cheated by any of it it was it was all mistakes that i knew that i was i was making um but i uh, did you notice that when you if if he grabs a hold of you and and low health he has like an execution and i i'm i'm excited to see if other bosses have that i almost like want to purposely die to the other bosses just to see if they have some cool execution animations no when he killed me dude it just fucking hit me right in the nose like it was it was no, I wonder if it does have Resident Evil 4 like executions and stuff now. That make that's interesting. So I may want to go back and uh let him get the better side of me and see what happens there. It's pretty neat. I I'm I'm really enjoying it. And my my wife doesn't typically like to watch video games, but she she loves the true crime sort of stuff. Uh-oh. Um she's one of those weird ones that likes to go to sleep listening to people being murdered and stuff like that, Uh-oh. but um, yeah, so that one should be right up her alley then. Oh, absolutely! Like I, she's like leaning into it, watching it, asking questions, helping me solve puzzles and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever seen her so like interactive with a video game that I've played. Um, you know, uh, I hate to cut you off, but something that reminded me of is you. We had this discussion years ago about Silent Hill Two, about that dude in this fucking weird ass situation. It's like, all right, well, you know, we were talking about like if it would have been us, man. We'd like shit our pants trying to get the fuck out of the city. But no, the dude from Silent Hill just kept pushing forward. And, uh, and then it's like the same thing with this game. Like, they're like, okay, everything's normal. Let's let's go back to the cop thing. Let's do this thing. And then something weird happens. Like, well, let's go 
it's like they're not devastated by these events. It's like a common day sort of thing for them. They're like, whatever, this is weird, but okay. Well, it could hurt other people, so let's go after him. Did you get that sort of vibe too? Yeah, I was talking to my wife about that actually. Like, uh, like when that first scene happens where they realize that there's something paranormal going on, they're like, this guy like just murders a whole bunch of people right in front of them. People are vanishing and everything like that. Like, oh my God, he turned into a monster. Okay, let's go back out here and see where he went. Like, like that's <laughs> yeah, straight up Silent Hill, dude. <laughs> Either I'm a coward or the FBI is just a different breed because that's, I mean, they shook that off quickly. Yeah. Well, how did you see the first commercial? No, I didn't. Oh, no, I can't remember where I put I explored that hotel and then there was like the first commercial or whatever. Uh, oh, the tour guides. Yeah, yeah. He's like, help, help. And that dude's like, rah, punch. <laughs> <laughs> Just sort of knocked the shit out of it. And I was like, oh, my fucking dude, that was like on par with cocaine bear. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's the right amount of just cheesy. Yeah, a little bird in the background. Oh, it was. Uh, they run out of budget for the rest of the game. Anyways, uh, are you playing anything else right now? Uh, yeah, I. Uh, when my wife is, ta- she's uh, basically narcoleptic. But when she goes and takes her her three hour naps or whatever, I uh, I've been switching back to. Um, uh, Star Ocean, the new Star Ocean that came out, and I I really love it. You know that that was one of my favorite RPGs back in the day. And uh, Star Ocean Second Departure R is it? Yeah, yeah, Second Story R, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it, it it stays true to the story. Granted, it's been uh, fifteen twenty years since I played the initial one, uh, or the one that it's remade after. And, uh, I still remember that opening scene where you like, you land on a planet and you get, I, I remember it being teleported back in time, but apparently, um, I, I, I misremembered that, but he gets teleported to another planet and, uh, meets people. I remember all that and it seems true to it. Now that I'm progressing, I don't know where my memory is failing, um, or where like they've made new new changes to the story. Like I, there's a thing you could do where you have your characters follow you and you can hit the square button and, um, they back away and you explore the town on your own and you can go talk to them. I don't remember that, but I'm not saying it wasn't in the, in the one that it's remade after, but it does add like a level of like new and interesting to me. So I, I guess if I forgot it, it's still new and interesting. Yeah. I've been, uh, uh, I've tried the, uh, I know I bounced off of it one time before, but, uh, the JRPGs, I have a hard time finishing now. The only ones I can really complete are pretty much just a Pokemon, but I did go back to, uh, Ichiban, like a dragon, uh, uh, RPG one. I can't think of the whole name. Oh, that's but, one of uh, my favorite games of all time. Yeah. Uh, sort of like. There is so much talking in that game. I just finished the old folks home. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Yeah. And I got a little girl in my party and it's like every time I go, I go to the old folks home and I beat up a bunch of people or whatever. And then um, while they're talking in the background, I got up and cooked breakfast. Like I cooked uh, scrambled eggs and cheese for my wife. I made me an omelet with cheese in the middle and then I sat down 
and it started eating, and the cinematic just stopped then. Just stopped then. Now, I was listening to what was going on in the background, and then uh, this afternoon when we got back from our running around and stuff, I got to the part where I guess uh, you the next mission was like Return to the Boss. And if you haven't played the game yet, there's a little saying there where you, the guy who sent you in back to old folks' home, you go back there, and there's a situation going on there. So I let that run in the background while I cook dinner. I did rice, uh, chili and rice and stuff, but, you know, I filled up the bowl, got all my rice in there, hit the, uh, cut it on, uh, let it boil, added my rice, stirred it up, cut it down to simmer, put the lid on, sat down, and the cinematic was just stopping there. That is a very, very long-winded game uh uh but i do enjoy it man i think it has some of the coolest summons ever i like the <laughs> the big heavy set dudes that have like the inner tube whatever running around and they run up to attack you and like they have baby oil all over them i guess and they slip down and bust their ass <laughs> and then the dudes with the hammers like they'll pull the hammer up a butterhead fitting and whack you with it and it's like it's too heavy and they sort of go back that stuff is wonderful man i enjoy that part of it I love how they took like a, a heavily inspired like fantasy genre, but somehow managed to to ground it in reality. So like it's not like Final Fantasy VII where you call the Knights of the Round Table and everything, and they come out like swinging massive swords twice the size of a building or anything like that. It's it's like it's fat dudes in diapers that come out and cry and like disgruntle the enemy and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's an interesting spin, especially when you add in the fact that like, you're not entirely sure throughout the game, like what is part of his fantasy because he's inspired by, Oh, what is that? Dragon quest. Yeah. Dragon quest. So some of it, some of it is might might be his embellishment, but my favorite thing in the entire game is his like unwavering optimism. He's just, He's just a good human being from start to finish in the game. And I don't think anybody really like uh, really have has highlighted that in a game before. Not that well anyways. Yeah, he is a pure spirit. Ichiban is. And they got the uh, they got the new game coming out here in January. About the same time Tekka releases. It uh, is the guy who's creating the new game is a big fan of Animal Crossing. But the last Animal Crossing that came out, like he was so disappointed with it, he wanted to make his own one. So I guess he pitched this idea to the people over at Sega, and he got approved for it. But it's a, they say it's like a life sim, and you're on Hawaii where you run around building relationships. You can go out to karaoke, you can fish. I mean, there's this BMX biking thing, and then it has some RPG elements. Like there's a screen cap of uh, him fighting a shark. So. Me and uh, Lori watched the trailer for it today, and it showed, it just looked like an RPG. I didn't see any life sim stuff on it, really, but I, I'm excited about it. I really am, because I was sort of bummed out by this uh, generation's Animal Crossing, too. What what game is this? It's called Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I, I've... I've stayed away from watching trailers on it and everything like that because the trailers nowadays, especially movie trailers, but video game trailers do it now. Like we'll, will ruin stuff very, very quickly. And like, I'm, I love all the Yakuza's and like, like a dragon was probably the pinnacle 
Um, so I'm I'm interested in seeing what this new one is like. That has me kind of interested, especially if he adds he, he really does add life sim elements to it because those those are my favorite games for sure. Yeah, well, you know there was one that just released uh, like three days ago. Like, well, what's today? It, it released on the November eighth called Like a Dragon Gaiden, uh, The Man Who Erased His Name. And it's about this Yakuza, who, I guess, who sort of had a falling out with the Yakuza. And he has two different fighting styles. He can fight like the Yakuza, where he picks up everything around him and beats the hell out of everybody. And then he also has an agent fighting style, where there's, like, drones involved and gadgets and explosives. Like, he can flick a cigarette that explodes and shit like that. Uh... I pulled up the reviews on Steam, and it has like 100%. But the people who go out and play uh, the Yakuza games or Like a Dragon and stuff like that uh, are, of course, going to rate it a lot higher than, you know, your companies. I haven't looked at any uh, big publisher reviews, but more than likely it's around a 7 or 8 for them. Yeah. I I I've been I've kept my eye on that, but I got so much on the docket. I'm I'm trying to get through Spider Man now. I'm trying to get through uh, Star Ocean and Alan Wake and everything like that. But I, I'm pretty sure that that's probably going to be the next game. I've heard really good things about it. And going back to the uh, the Animal Crossing thing, though, um, like if you want a good spiritual uh, successor to it, that that Dinkum. Uh, on Steam is absolutely phenomenal, and it pay it plays really well on the Steam Deck, but it makes the Steam Deck hot and it drains the battery really, really quick. So if you're playing it on the go, I wouldn't play Dinkum on it. But if you got it plugged in, um, it is every bit as good as Animal Crossing, and I would say it's ten times better. It's everything that Animal Crossing. I will say it is what Harvest Moon is to. Uh, Oh, what are those? Uh, or, no, Stardew it's, Valley. Yeah, it's what Stardew Valley is to Harvest Moon. Dinkum is to uh, Animal Crossing. All right. Well, I'll, I'll probably download that one and give it a try. I get, my next five is probably going to be the Metal Gear Solids. That's, uh, I, I heard that they didn't really do a good job on a re-release or whatever, but I would like to own them because I'm such a big fan. Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite game series of all time. I, I was watching a streamer play them. And they seem like I don't know what the issue with the re-releases, but I was watching them play Metal Gear One or Metal Gear Solid, I should say, and uh, it seemed every bit as the original game, like uh, maybe upscaled a little bit, but no differences. No. Uh, is there anything else you're playing right now? No, that's that's it. I mean, I I've been on and off with uh, this game called. Uh, Against the Storm, which is kind of like a, a roguelike RTS game sort of thing, like a, a colony builder, where you get you get like a, you start out with like three races. I think it's like humans, beavers, and lizards, and they all have like special uh, things that they they do really really well. Like the lizards harvest meat and and cook meat really well, and the beavers cut down woods really well, of course. And humans are good at farming and brewing and stuff like that. And I really loved it. Um, but one of the core components of the game is the roguelike element, where when you're when you're completing missions, you have like the queen that basically oversees what you do, what you do, and she has like a like this meter that fills up where she gets annoyed with you if you don't complete tasks with her, uh, a task for her, 
over time and if it, if it maxes out like the level ends sort of thing but if you do complete missions for her she gives you uh like basically unlocks so that's how you unlock the new buildings that you get it's it's a core component so I'm hesitant to complain about it because it's it's actually what adds the roguelike element in it but the buildings are random so it kind of drives you to like never play the same way twice and that's what people absolutely love about it for me though i i don't really i don't really care for that uh, like i like to find my groove and stick with it sort of thing and and maybe when i get comfortable with the game kind of branch out and try other buildings and stuff like that but it's very I've, it's happened to me twice now where i've uh i've unlocked a building that like i couldn't create because I didn't have the building that created the materials to build it sort of stuff. So you have to have intuitive knowledge of the game to be successful for it, successful with it. But you can't really get intuitive knowledge without like experimenting. So it, it's, it kind of defeats itself in that way. It's a really interesting uh, premise, and I'm sure that I'm probably just getting it wrong. But right now it hasn't clicked enough with me that I can just feel confident and sit down and beat a level. Um, there's an open world map, so every time you you create um, or every time you succeed at a level, you go back to the major city and you unlock permanent upgrades, and then you go out and you build a new area. I love that, um, but maybe maybe after I, I I get a hang of it, I'd be able to tell you more about if I like it or not. Yeah, the uh, random buildings and stuff it throws at you. Is it like the same thing when you play like? I don't know, a 2D roguelike where you open a chest and it gives you a ring and then you have to hover over the ring. Well, this one allows me to regenerate three hit points when I kill something, you know, something like that. Is it sort of the same? Yeah, uh, kind of like that, except for like, um, like one of the buildings that increases your villagers happiness is like, um, like a bar. And you can you can unlock that bar like it it could be one of the first buildings that you unlock once you complete a mission for, but that bar requires like um, it requires barrels. And if you haven't unlocked a building that allows you to create barrels, you just can't create beer. So now you have this building that you can build, but you can't do anything with sort of thing. Roguelikes don't really have that. Yeah, like let's say um, light a spark. Where you felt like you had to have a certain trinket to beat the game with the construct. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I would say that. Like, there's a specific, build, but you know, if you don't get that trinket, there's other ways around it, sort of thing. This one, you only get like ten. I'd say like ten, maybe twelve buildings that you can unlock in a single playthrough. And if you choose the wrong one and you don't get the things leading up to it, then you just kind of you eat it. Like, you can't really build around it or anything. You can very easily um, paint yourself in a corner, and there's nothing you can do but just wait it out or, or restart sort of thing. I don't I don't like that. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of RTS, too. I just don't have a PC. Maybe I can play it now because of the GeForce now. I'd have to see. But, uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've played a really good RTS. It's probably... Oh. Uh, Man, maybe Company of Heroes. That well, StarCraft Two come out after Company of Heroes. Yes, that was the last good one, I reckon. Yeah, and I would say it's, it's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, and Steam usually uh, few and far between. Um, 
are games that have overwhelmingly positive reviews and every single one I've played is fantastic. So that kind of makes me wonder if I'm doing something wrong, if there's something that I'm just not understanding about it. Um, but everybody or just about everybody that's played it gives it positive reviews. I think it's sitting at like 97% right now. It's still in yeah. beta, I believe. Yeah, it's in early access. I'm looking at it now. That's uh, Against the Storm uh, is developed by Emirate Games. I've never heard of them before. And uh, Hooded Horse published them. Uh, it does look pretty neat. I'm going to add it to my wish list now. I think you'd uh, like it. Anything else you got uh, that you're playing right now? I know you said you're back and forth to Spider-Man. And, uh... Yeah, I, I basically got Spider-Man on hold for a little while because I'm wanting to play... Alan Wake when me and my wife get some free time sort of stuff, but uh, on the yep. downtime, I'm reliving that uh, that Star Ocean. Well, uh, how about uh, what are you looking forward to playing in the future? That, that last train home, probably the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to coming up. I got to uh, play it a little bit on that Steam um, Next thing that they had come out. Um, absolutely and- love it. The next fest, yeah, I see the demos up right now. You can download the demo. I might give it another go. I didn't spend too much time with it, but the premise is really interesting. Yeah, it's done by Asborn Games, and it's being published by THQ. Asborn is the same one. Those aren't the same ones that did the uh, Frostpunk, is it? They've done Comanche and Com. Yeah, they've done the Comanche game. That's it. But uh, you were saying the other day it felt sort of like Frostpunk. Yeah, from what I gather, like you kind of have like a mobile base sort of thing and you're always on the move, um, which is it's it seems like it's more like survival sort of RTS, kind of like Frostpunk in, the, in that manner. As far as the gameplay, like I said, I didn't put too much time into it, but the trailers and everything like that seem seem fantastic. I might I might download the demo tonight and give it a good go. No, is, I know I'm still looking forward to uh, Metal Gear uh and the mario rpg and i think that's probably going to be it for this year everything else is coming out in january that i'd be interested in like uh the new tekken i would like to get the new tekken 8 is coming out and then i would like uh you know of course uh, like a dragon uh infinite wealth as well oh yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah Uh, Um, there's a couple um there is a a game called um, The Bloodline that I think I also played on Next, uh, which kind of seems like a an ugly version of Skyrim at the moment. I know that's kind of taboo to say, like Skyrim with guns sort of stuff, but it's, it seems like a like a sandbox RPG sort of thing um, with towns and and quests, and I don't know if there's building uh elements in it but if there is that's checking a lot of boxes for me i love some survival crafters yeah uh i'm looking at the graphics right now i'm trying to see if i can compare it to anything maybe uh let's see sort of close to roblox i guess kind of like not not quite that bad but like it's it's blocky for sure Never mind, I pulled up the wrong game. I pulled up Robox, is what it's called. But yeah, the graphics are very similar to uh, Robox, if you're uh, a big fan of that one. But uh, uh, the Survival Crafters, uh, I guess the last one I really played with you was uh, Valheim. Valheim. Oh, and, yes. Uh, I just, 
man that just going out and farming for the same resources over and over and over again, like I, I just I get so burnt out on that. It just turns into work for me. I, I can't yeah. think of maybe like if you went out there and they figured out a way that like if you had a hundred wood, that's enough wood right there to build everything in the game. Unless you wanted to go build two houses or something like I don't know. I just hate the resource part of it. Yeah, I just hate farming resources. That's the part that always does me and I just it's just tedious. You know, it's it's funny to me that uh for one, like we were raised together and we we've played video games together our entire lives. That's the way that we we really bonded and that was our escape. Um even now that uh, I live in Illinois and you live down in Alabama, like that's how we stay in contact. But our tastes in video games vary drastically. And the other interesting thing is, is I have ADHD and you do not. And I like, it's interesting to me that I like the tedious games, whereas you do not like the tedious games. I haven't figured that out, but I I love like going out and, and harvest. It takes a lot for me to get frustrated with harvesting materials. It gives me a a, a sense of, of accomplishment once I come back and look at my base that I I spent hours building, and like probably fifty percent of that was gathering the materials to build it. No, uh, well, you know, you look at like Warcraft three or even Starcraft. You know, you have to harvest stuff in that game, but it's pretty much you take a peon or a SVC or a drone, and you hover over something, you right click, and those things constantly bring. Now, I could get down with that kind of harvesting. So if Pass I have to it. go out. Yeah, if I could go out and find a tree and then I have like this wisp and I can dedicate this wisp to that tree to bring a constant supply of wood in, stack it in like a designated area, that would be okay for me. And maybe, you know, I can use that wood the wisp is bringing in to trade for like, I don't know, a goblin and then take that goblin and have him go out and mine stuff. And I could build up a resource train sort of like that. But the part of actually going out there Finding it and harvesting it the first time is cool, but by the like the thousandth time I've clicked the silver node, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot. You know that that is an interesting, interesting suggestion. I'm sure it's probably been done before, but uh, like having a survival crafter where you have uh, uh, NPCs that go out and do the uh, the more tedious stuff to give you passive income with like wood and, and iron and stuff like that. That would be fantastic. I think the forest uh two that came out, like if you play single player, you get like a little deaf guy that'd go down and cut trees for you and stuff like that. That's a yep. game that you and I need to play together by the way. Yeah, I I'd give it a go. I, I'm just about well, I mean there's so much out right now. Alawake is the main thing. I'ma finish that one. Uh but other than that, uh, I'm really, in the future, I guess that's about all I'm really looking for. I'm going to get to Metal Gear at some point, and the Mario RPG will work its way in there, and then uh, the Infinite Wealth I'm excited about, and then Tekken 8. And I get these fighting games, and I can't really, I grew up playing with, you know, slick with the fighting games my whole life, and now I'm like an adult and everybody's too busy. I don't like playing them online. I like playing and in person with somebody sitting on the couch next to me, and that's just about impossible to achieve at this point in my life. So maybe Tekken ain't a good idea, but I I still like uh I still like 
fighting games. It's just, you know, and they're, you only get half of the game unless you're playing competitively. Yeah. No, that's uh, they're trying to implement systems that people who who play by themselves can enjoy the game, like the the last Street Fighter and everything. But you could tell they're they're still kind of learning their way with it. It's not as polished and and depth as it could be. But I do I am looking forward to what that looks like in the years to come as they they get better at it because I I abhor fighting games it is not something that i enjoy uh but if it had a good story and i could i could play it single player i would absolutely love it and the last street fighter that came out was was probably the closest i've come to that i liked unlocking the different fighting styles and and all of that well and other things in our our gaming news uh phil spencer has visited blizzard and this is an article here i don't know if you got the links to all the articles but uh this one was published by digital trends and uh it's just pretty much saying that uh you know um the head honcho the henchman the king of blizzard spill phil spencer himself had actually went out to the offices of uh blizzard and you know when I think of somebody doing something like that, it's like they've just acquired this company. It's probably just a, like a standard like meet and greet. Like, hey, um, big feel, you know, yo. And uh, they said he brought out like some PowerPoints and he got to play some demos and stuff. Like they have that Warcraft mobile game coming out called War, uh, Warcraft Rumble. And then uh, they got to, he also got to play like the War Within for a little bit and had talked to some of the game designers and stuff. And, Probably right now, all it is is just like meets and greets, and you know nothing serious going on yet. So, and I, you know, I think uh, I think he gets a lot of bad publicity because he's you know the Microsoft gaming CEO. Um, but I kind of I kind of like what Microsoft has done. Like, yeah, yeah, I think you're more on the line. So, like, he isn't creating a first person or first party games for for. Um, for Xbox like the other systems are but he he does seem to like have a good head about his shoulder uh, about his sh- shoulders as far as like tidying up games and things like that what i'm hoping and th- they would never release this but i'm i'm hoping because of all the bad publicity that blizzard has gotten that he's going and and shaking some trees and trying to figure things out and maybe he'll uh he'll he'll straighten things out and blizzard can be or at least World of Warcraft could be uh, the game that we remember from our childhood, or our teen years, I should say. EverQuest was our MMO from our childhood. No. Uh, uh, and the other thing, well, hang on one second. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and continue on while I pull this back up. My computer is giving me a hard time. Oh, you're right. I. I. I know that it's still early to tell, but since Microsoft has acquired a couple of these companies, uh, tried to tried to acquire Call of Duty. Um, I wish it, I wish that would have went through because Call of Duty's in shambles now too. But uh, since he's acquired a couple companies, I, I am looking forward to what those games will look like without the monetization uh, like Nintendo and PlayStation. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite 
familiar with where they stand on the monetization, but Microsoft seems to push games that don't have a lot of it. Like granted, um, granted things like Fortnite and stuff like that still have a lot of monetization and they're on the Xbox system, but every game that you get on Game Pass doesn't really have uh, like loot boxes and loot crates and things like that, unless I'm missing some and or I just avoid them altogether. I'm hoping Microsoft stays away from that sort of stuff. Like it's it's nice to be able to sit down and play video games like we did when we were a kid, not having to worry about paying five dollars for you know a new skin, buying the game for one, like a, a sixty dollar game price, and also having a lot of the content locked behind microtransactions and things like that. That's what I'm I'm actually in Microsoft's corner about. They don't seem to do a lot of that. And no. I'm ho- hoping that changes with like their acquisition of Blizzard. Yeah, uh, and the other thing, um, really, sort of to, to change the subject, you know, uh, he had made a statement. He had had a, a conversation with uh, Famatsu, which is like a, a Japanese publication overseas or whatever, and he's saying that he pretty much, uh, you know, his vision for Microsoft and successfully acquired, you know, Blizzard or whatever that he believes. PlayStation and Nintendo are now uh, part of the Xbox community. And I'm, I'm guessing a big part of that, you know, he owns the Call of Duty and now he's starting to put out, you know, Call of Duty or he doesn't. But Microsoft owns his uh, IPs and he's putting them out on other systems. So I think pretty much what uh, Games Radar is saying here is that since he's putting them out, you know, he's saying that, hey, we got games on y'all system. Where's your games on our system and stuff like that, that, you know, these other systems and stuff like that are part of the uh, Xbox gaming community now. And for uh, most part, I can sort of see where he's coming from with that. But, you know, when he gets that Xbox Game Pass on the Switch or on the PlayStation, I think that i think that's his primary goal if he can get the game pass on other systems or whatever where they can access their hardware that's going to break down a lot of barriers you know why at what point do you not you see the playstation uh symbol popping up on different symbols and uh, at what point do the consoles become sort of obsolete you know yeah i that would that be such a bad thing though like if if the lines are a little bit blurry um and I, I will say that I think some of this is his uh, retaliation for the lawsuit between, um, I think it was Nintendo or Sony um, that sued him because he tried to acquire Activision uh, because everybody loves Call of Duty is what uh, Sony said. And that if he, he gets it, he's going to like make a console exclusive, which he came out and said, that's not true. Like I, that I'm not... I'm not trying to like monopolize anything like that, but he lost that lawsuit. What did happen in that lawsuit is it came out that Sony was using some really, really, really underhanded tactics as far as like pushing their consoles in Japan and and blocking the sale of Microsoft consoles and things like that. And allegedly over in, um, over overseas and, uh, I think some of this is kind of him pushing that, like making a big, a big community statement. Like I'm, I'm trying to bring the consoles together and make Sony sweat a little bit. Because if he, if he does that, he's releasing all of the Microsoft stuff to the other consoles. 
like think of how big of an asshole it would look for Sony not to do the same. So this is some societal pressure, I think, that is going on. It very well could be because there was this big debacle with uh, uh, what was it? The cross-platform play or whatever. All the other consoles, even a Switch had like cross-platform play when Fortnite was the one that kicked it off or whatever. The only one was PlayStation. They was the only ones that dug their uh, heels in and didn't have it. But they got it up there pretty quick because Fortnite was bringing in some bucks. I don't know if it was Epic threatening to pull Fortnite off the PlayStation or what exactly was going on. But, yeah, it could be something to do along the lines with what you were saying right there. Oh, yeah. like Sony fought the whole like cross-play stuff tooth and nail. I'm glad they lost that battle because you're, you're a big PlayStation fan. I'm a big Microsoft fan. And like, being able to sit down... And me play on the console that I want to play, and you play on the console you want to play, but us play together is, is fantastic, man. I, I really yeah. like that. Uh, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely a must for both of us. And uh, other news or whatever, uh, Rockstar posted on their Twitter that they are very excited to let us know that in early December, we will release the first trailer for the next Grand Theft Auto. We look forward to many more years of sharing these experiences with you. Grand Theft Auto released, and uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, was it 2012 or 2013 that game released? It's been either 10 or over 10 years since the last, uh, Obama was still in office when Grand Theft Auto 5 came back. That was, Grand Theft Auto 5 came out when I moved back to Alabama in 2013, so yeah. It's been a hot minute. Granted, they did release Red Dead Redemption in between there, and I think that's kind of been their their thing, is release a, a Grand Theft Auto and then a Red Dead and then a Grand Theft Auto sort of thing. I am excited about it. Their campaigns are always top-notch. I am, speaking of monetization, I am disappointed that they don't really release DLC anymore. They just, all they want to do is keep that, 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 cash cow alive online so they can charge people microtransactions and everything but uh the story at least is always worth the 60 dollars you spent i never even touched red dead's online never interested me because i heard all the controversy when it came out but the the storyline's still one of the best of all time i think yeah and you know uh, Red Dead's been out for a long time, and I'd had this discussion that you know a game has a good storyline that even after years of you beating it or whatever, like, uh, you know, I can still think about uh, The Last of Us. I know how that ends. I know all the major plot points, and it's been years since I played it. And even Red Dead, with uh, I can remember the original Red Dead and, you know, the way it went down with uh, Homeboy at the end and the sun, and then even Red Dead 2, I remember. And I still remember the plot points for GTA Five, you know, with Trevor, and um, there's a bunch of bunch of wild stuff there. And they have been riding that online system for a very long time. I, uh, the last expansion they released for what Grand Theft Auto Four, the one, the biker one, where you can go out and get like a, you can go inside of a club and manage it because you've owned it and stuff like that. What happened to that stuff? And and then that Legend of the Ballad of Gay Tony or something, that was a remarkable expansion too. And it's just like, I was so disheartened that they didn't release any more expansions for five. Just like major updates for like online, like new heist and stuff like that. 
But no, when you, why would, I mean, from a business standpoint, why would you put thousands and thousands of man hours and millions of dollars in releasing a fully fleshed expansion pack uh, and maybe get a few million back when you can just release a, you know, a, just as an example, a card pack or, or a new uh, skin for your vehicle and get millions back with like maybe, you know, a hundred man hours, you know, it's, it's just the easier sort of thing, but it, it is, I have noticed that it's, it's destroying the will, um, the goodwill that they've built up with their fan base and people are starting to get a little bit louder about their displeasure with that. And that needs to keep building for things yeah. to change. I, yeah. I, I hate that my daughter is being raised playing video games where most of it is locked behind a microtransaction. She doesn't get, to, she doesn't know what it's like buy a game that's five discs long and sit down and play it for a hundred plus hours like Final Fantasy 7 and just enjoy the story knowing that the money that she spent gives her all of that you know yeah, or riding home reading the manual you know things yeah. like that man all that stuff is going to be uh, uh, completely lost in a few generations and we're probably part of a dying breed where you know once our generation dies out it's going to be all, all uh, candy crush you know, so they won't know. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it won't, man. There's always probably going to be a market because video games is a form of media. And, you know, media can be art. You know, look at Ghost of Tsushima and stuff like that. So there's probably always going to be a little desire there. Just, you know, our voices will get quieter and quieter over, as the years progress. Yeah, and, and I know we're on the verge of sounding like two angry geezers or whatever. But uh, what I will say is that the. Uh, the thing that has happened in my daughter's generation that I am happy about is the rise of indie games. Like it is <laughs> as the technology progresses and it gets easier for entry level people to come in and create a fantastic game like Stardew Valley. By yeah. that. I mean, I won't say he was entry level, but I mean, he started that on his own. Yeah. And that to this day is one of the best games that ever released. I, and I, believe minecraft was the same way i was one of the earlier um alpha adopters for minecraft yeah, i uh, remember that so as as the triple a uh companies get greedier the indie and the indie game developers uh seem like they're getting more uh, more powerful and i don't yeah. think that's a bad thing no 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 not at all and uh you like alley wake don't you yeah i do and if you wanted to purchase Alan Wake uh, uh, and you wanted to get it on a PC, how would you feel if I told you you could only get it on an Epic store or the consoles? Where would you buy Alan Wake then? Uh, I would probably buy it on the console. Yep. And I'm not saying this is a way for us to put down the Epic store or whatever, but like Steam has always been enough. And I understand, you know, people get exclusives like the Epic store and everything else. But here's the thing is, is like Raper, uh, Raper, Rock Paper Shotgun uh, had an article this week about uh, five years after Epic took on Steam. I guess this is when Fortnite started getting big. The Epic store has yet to make a penny of profit. Uh, you know, how many people just log on and play Fortnite? Is that it? You know, uh, and I saw somebody post on Reddit where, like, they never purchased a game off of the Epic Game Store. All they do is go on there and uh, purchase, like, the free games. 
you know, and I think that's a good way for Epic to sort of prime people at how you move through that storefront. And this is how you add it to the cart. This is what the checkout looks like and everything else like that. But at the same time, if uh, I want a game, like what was a dancing Pokemon game? Uh, me and Lori were excited about for a long time. You remember what that one's called? Ooblets. 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 We were excited to play Ooblets. We were, but it was only on the Epic Store. And that game has been on the Epic Store for quite a while now. And we just recently got Ooblets because it released on Steam. You know, it's just, why do we have to have all these launchers? Why do I have to have an Epic Game launcher, a Bethesda launcher, an EA launcher, a Ubisoft launcher? It's just so bloated now that, you know, if it's, if I can get it on Steam, I'll get it there when I have a computer that's, you know, powerful enough to play it. If not, if it comes out on the console, I'll get it there instead of going out of my way. It feels like having to go out of my way to purchase a game on the the uh, Epic's Game Store. And I think that right there is the big problem. I think it's I think that's the problem right there because it just seems like it takes extra effort to get there. And it's another launcher that I don't want another part of. You know, I don't want to look down on my system tray and have like four or five different icons from different, you know, publishers and stuff like that. I just five years and they still wasn't able to make a profit from it. That should tell you something. Well, they started out like with a bad, a lot of bad publicity. And, and I do the same thing. Like steam is my go-to like 99.9% of the time, unless there's a fantastic game that I just cannot wait to play. Like, I'll just wait for it to come out on Steam. And that, that's not necessarily a good thing. Like, you know, Steam does have a monopoly on it because it's been around so long. And it's, it is hard for Epic to lure people over. And I get what they were trying to do, like, with, like, enticing developers. I think that's a good route. They were, they were giving more money back to the developers. But people who bought games on Steam and then had that game refunded because they all all of a sudden announced that, hey, actually, Epic made us a better offer, and we're going over there now. Like, that yeah. that, that made people really, really hate Epic. And that, that, from that day forward, that's how I remember Epic was the start of that sort of controversy. So it's left a bad taste in my mouth. And I hear all the time, because I don't really interact with it, I don't know for sure, but I hear all the time that they their launcher is like a buggy, horrible mess. It's not intuitive and they're not putting any effort into tidying it up. They're just trying to get people over there. If they actually put in the effort to make it something special, I wouldn't mind using it, especially if I know that some of my favorite developers are getting paid a little bit more. No, I do. I do. I do wish like there was a way to just integrate all the all the launchers and make it one big thing, but uh, that's never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that probably there might be something out there that has like a place that just sort of consolidates all your launchers into one thing. But even that takes setup and you giving a third party all your login information and your account IDs and stuff like that to be able to do it. And then but and it, it just seems. It's a lot too, man. I would just like, I just like to buy my games on Steam. If it's on PC on Steam, that's great. If not, I check the store, you know, and that's yep. usually the way I go about it. Yep. 
Uh, other than that, uh, that's it for our news this week. Um, I guess uh, with no emails or whatever, we're probably going to go over like a retro corner where we talk about a game in our past that we adored and, um, you know, things um, sort of to that nature. Uh, we were discussing the Aliens game on the PS1. Uh, my buddy uh, we grew up with, uh, he brought over... Uh, um, it's been a while. It's been a long time, but it was like a first-person shooter aliens game on uh, the PlayStation One, and I remember there being bad reviews because it was a dual stick shooter. You know, like Call of Duty, it had modern controls on the game, and people gave it bad ratings because they thought the controls were terrible. And now those games are like Call of Duty plays like Aliens did back on the PS One. Yep. You know that was a fantastic. That was my very first. Um, introduction to the PlayStation is when your friend brought that over, and I, I remember, you know, we were we were poor growing up, and video games in our in our house were like basically treated like we were smuggling crack. We'd be punished if we ever got caught with a console, sort of thing. Um, and we we were staying the night with uh, with our our aunt at the time, and uh, laying on her her living room floor in her double wide trailer and your friend came over and hooked up the playstation and and put that in i remember that first uh, the first time it started up that that pns lo logo you know with the the fox the, logo with that yeah yeah like the well i mean the like the actual playstation the oh sound that came with it and the the p standing over the s sort of thing yeah Man, that was like that's that's a core memory for me. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd get. I'd, we were talking about it earlier, but my first uh, PlayStation game I played was Battle Arena Toshiden. It was actually uh, Nick's birthday party. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, but we went over there. It was like me, him, I think some other people. It was over there. His next door neighbor was like a douchebag. Uh, we had like this nacho cheese dip and this dude just kept sticking his fingers in there and like sticking it in his mouth and stuff like that. But we had played Battle Arena Toshiden. He had the need for speed over there. But me and another buddy from high school actually stayed up all night playing uh, uh, NBA Jam on the Super Nintendo. We had stayed up playing at this from dusk to dawn. And it was, I remember Nick's daddy getting up. was like, you boys still awake? And yeah, we were on fire, you know. <laughs> Eyes all bloodshot and everything. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, pupils dilated from all the dopamine. Now, do you remember uh, the first game you stayed up all night playing? Oh, man. Um, I, I'd probably say uh, Final Fantasy, maybe. Like, I remember that because games were treated like the, the ultimate sin in our house, we had to wait every weekend until we could go over to Granny and Pa's and play it yeah. over at her house. And and you brought home uh, Final Fantasy VII, probably got it from Nick, and I played that game so religiously, like, just all the way through, and every single time I'd come over, I'd, I'd come home and throw my backpack down and rush over to the console and start playing Final Fantasy VII. There was one uh, one weekend I forgot the memory card and uh, couldn't save it, so I just started it all the way over and would play it to the end of the first disc and then start it over again and and play it play it all over again not realizing that you didn't actually have to save you could just open up the tray and put in the second disc and continue the story but i did all of that without saving yeah that was uh, uh 
I was hard pressed times. Yeah, we had. I mean, we had consoles our whole life, but it was more of a situation like we could look and not touch. You know, it was used as a weapon against us. To uh, I guess our parents in their head was they were using it for like motivation. You know, you do good, you get access to this, and then but it was used more as like a tool to punish us. Is the way it uh, turned out. You know, and yeah, I remember. You know, they catch us playing something we wasn't supposed to be doing, and the punishment was always severe past that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, we were so easily punished that it like we never got to play it at all. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it, we we were even when we were doing good and we weren't like we didn't have like any sort of restrictions or anything like that, we could only play it on the weekends. Yeah, and only, like, we couldn't do it during the day. It had to be at night or when it was raining. I mean, there was so many stipulations or whatever, and then the rules were uh, always in flux. So what rule applied during this time period didn't apply during this time period because maybe somebody was in a bad mood or, you know, it could be any number of things. But even that, you know, when we did get to play it, it was a way for us just to dole out like the harsh realities of what it was to be a child and that sort of situation that we were exposed to at the time. Yep. It was our escape. Yep. And Gran- yeah. Granny and Paws was our little haven. We didn't have any rules or anything like that. We just got to be ourselves, be kids for a little while. Yep. And I remember walking down to that video store and reading Resident Evil 2 and just beating it. So I remember the lady behind the counter saying, you know, why don't you just go ahead and buy the game? You rent it like every weekend, but it was like the game to get. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember going down Highway 84, like on my little bicycle. Like we would beg Granny for like some change and we'd save up enough to go rent one game and get on my bicycle, ride it alongside that busy ass highway all the way down to the little grocery store with the video store right next to it. Uh, uh, and I, I brought, cannot remember what it was called. Uh, Go ahead. I I remember bright uh, bringing home that hard ass fighting game. What was it called? Internal Champions or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one just got our tails beat the whole time. But there was one time I was in there, and this woman behind the counter had like this sort of display of like Nintendo games or whatever. It was on one of them things you could spin. And she had several different types of games in there, but Final Fantasy was on there for the NES. And I don't know if we had access to an NES at the time or what was going on, but uh, I went home and I talked to grandparents and they're like, hey, y'all mind driving me down there and buying this game for me? It's only like, I don't know, five or ten dollars. It wasn't very much. And I mean, it was cheap enough where they agreed to do it. And we went in there, and that display wasn't there anymore. It was, uh, it was gone. And when I asked her about it, the woman like vehemently denied it ever existing. She's like, "No, I, I don't have anything like that. I don't know what you're talking about. We don't sell video games in a store." What the hell? That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. And here's another thing. Uh, I learned uh, a lesson in that same video game store. Um, Probably, or as a movie rental store or whatever, and but I had to be up under 10, and me and Pa was walking through there looking for something to rent, and uh, I found $20 on the floor, and I picked it up, and I showed Pa, and he looked at me, and he's like, well, what are you going to do with it? And me being a kid, having pure heart, I went up to the attendant and said, hey, I found $20 on the floor right here. 
and she took the money and stuck it right in her pocket. At that point on, <laughs> when I find money laying around, <laughs> I don't give it to the first person I see. I walk around with the money in my wallet, and somebody, if somebody was to pass me pat in their pockets, but hey, I lost, you know, 20 bucks or something, you know, I, I think I would pull it out because I haven't found myself in that situation anymore. But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't just turn in money I'll find anymore <laughs> unless it was like an absurd amount that I think the FBI could be involved or I'm at the end of a long uh, tax scheme or something like that. But you bought uh, that lady a pack of cigarettes or a couple yeah, packs back in the day. Yeah, probably 20 of that was like 90s right there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but anyways, uh, we've been running for a pretty good while. And until we get emails, we'll probably do a little retro episode like that. Uh, I've enjoyed sitting here podcasting with you, Trey. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close it up today? Man, I think about I think that's about it. It's a good right. conversation. Oh, yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I'll. Uh, I'll have it uploaded, and then next week we can do it at the same time if you don't have anything going on. No, I'm all free. All right. Anybody listening, uh, this is the Big Boy Gaming Show. If you have any questions or comments, you can always email us at thebigboygamingshow at gmail.com. And anything you would like us to discuss on the show or anything you guys have thoughts about as far as video games or video game-related things, we'd be happy to discuss it out here in the open for all of you. But until then, everybody stay safe.